What are some best practices when constructing a digitally collaborative onboarding experience? How can wealth management firms better organize the data flowing inside their company? And where are data outliers hiding and how can you control them? All these questions and more will be answered on this episode of Wealth Management Today. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and the technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A, GROUP.co for more information. Good day to everyone in the wonderful world of wealth tech. And welcome to another episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I am a strategy consultant. I run my own consulting firm, and uh, my firm helps broker-dealers, banks, and asset managers, as well as fintech firms, make better technology and operational decisions. And I'd like to remind you to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an, any future episodes of this podcast, which would be terrible. So this is the show where I share new ideas from people who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. I've written about onboarding software on my blog a number of times, and it always gets a lot of views. People are interested in it, how workflow software can facilitate you know, uh, big wealth management firms to understand how their data is flowing, to control the data flow across their organization. So it's very critical kind of software. And I was a uh, lucky to get a hold of uh, the head of product for one of the biggest workflow automation software vendors in our space. His name is Ray Mulligan. We had a wide-ranging conversation about onboarding trends and some of the cool stuff they're working on in uh, in their tool. And one of the, one of the cool, um, this is a really more of a marketing term, but I really like it, uh, for workflow automation software, they refer to it as an orchestration layer. And that uh, is really how it works. It, it, it orchestrates the data moving between the custodians, portfolio management, CRM, financial planning, all the different tools that a wealth firm needs and needs to move this data around. So we talked a lot about that uh, and about data outliers. So uh, we're going to jump right in and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Wealth Management Today. I'm here live in Charlotte, North Carolina at BB&T Ballpark, lovely minor league baseball stadium here in the heart of Charlotte. Uh, I'm sitting here with Ray Mulligan, head of product for Impact Financial Systems. Hey, Ray. Hey, Craig. Thanks for having me here at the Propel 2019 Client Conference. Uh, thank you. It's been a great conference. We really appreciated you playing a part and being here with us. I'm glad I could help. It was fun and insightful, and I learned a lot. 
Um, we're here to talk a bit about the conference and what came out of it for people who missed it and about IFS. So tell me a little bit about IFS products and how you're head of, uh, being head of product, how that, uh, how you lead them and what kind of new things you're, you're looking to, to build. Yeah, Craig, thank you. Uh, IFS has been around for uh, about 15 years now and we've worked predominantly with large national self-clearing and now uh, independent broker dealers helping them automate a lot of their internal processes. Uh, and we are really excited about all the new work we're doing and all the work that we have done helping those clients really uh, increase their productivity, reduce the friction they've had in a lot of those processes. And we've just seen some super impressive cost benefits of implementing the IFS platform. And now that we're extending it out to the direct client's uh, exper experience benefits in terms of advisors, sales assistants, and clients. So it's exciting to be part of it. It is exciting to hear about it because this is this is the kind of technology that people don't really notice because it's not the flashy, right. colorful stuff. It's behind the scenes, but it's way more important if you think about it. Anybody can build a UI, but being able to design and develop this kind of workflow comprehensive system that can connect multiple parties, multiple interfaces, and work seamlessly and flawlessly across you know, hundreds of thousands of accounts and advisors, that seems to be, to me, a much heavier lift. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Craig, as we see the best people in the industry doing best of breed across the various platforms and systems, including custodians, um, between that and the integration of the PE firms buying up multiple companies and staying with their custodians, the real need is to provide an orchestration of a kind of universal process, whether it's transactions such as money movement, or account opening, uh, what these firms are finding themselves in the situation of doing is putting their advisors in situations where they have to go to three, four, five, six systems to get an account open. It can start anywhere from a CRM like a Salesforce or a Redtail, integration with TAMP providers like InvestNet, multiple custodians, forms vendors, and so we take all that and put it together in a single process that reduces a lot of that friction and allows them to just attract more advisors and push that out actually all the way to their client for direct self-servicing. So when clients use IFS, do they, uh, does it require a lot of customization? Well, you know, it's a funny thing. Every time we get together with a prospect, we talk about, you know, the processes that they do. And what we found is every firm that we deal with does account opening. Mm -hmm. Everyone does it differently. And so we've built a really uh, great combination of solid products with huge functionality with a nice configuration layer on top of it because everyone has a puzzle piece that we need to fit into with either their custodians, providers, other vendors. Uh, and so we provide both the uh, functionality of a product with the configuration of really a customized solution for them. It seems like a lot of broker-dealers would be interested in something like that. Well, we are growing rapidly, and uh, although many people have never heard of us, we're behind some of the biggest broker-dealers in the country. That's impressive. Yeah, I saw some of the, the broker-dealers who were here today, and I was impressed. I didn't realize that you had, these, these are all the top tier, yes. the top 10, among the top 10 broker-dealers in the country, so. Yeah, we're a well-kept secret, unfortunately. Yeah, you gotta get, that, get the word out. We're trying. And the, um, you know, one of the things I always find interesting about this technology is how there's so much going on behind the scenes of it. It's not as easy as people think. And how many different engines do you have that make up 
the IFS workflow? Yeah, so really the IFS platform is made up of a few components. One is obviously a UI and, and uh, being able to gather the data in a wizard-like fashion. Uh, we also have a business rules engine. Every uh, company comes with a set of business logic. Some of that is their own. Some of it is uh, constructed by their legal and compliance department. Some's regulatory. Um, and we create documents within our application. We do workflow. And we do a myriad of interfaces for things like Salesforce and Redfield. So interfaces for different CRMs, why would a firm need that? And what's the benefit of plugging that into the workflow? Yeah, I mean, what we found is uh, firms have spent a lot of money investing in CRM technology so that their advisors can really track their clients and prospects through their entire life cycle. And uh, a lot of data is collect collected during that process and in the CRMs. And so when you come to opening a new account for that prospect or existing client, it's only natural that you should be able to reuse all the data that you've collected. So we make it very easy to bring that data into the new account process. And our goal is to, whether you have part of the data or all of the data, or if you collect it as part of the new account opening process, we can feed that back to your other systems so you collect it once within your enterprise and reuse it over and over again. One interesting thing I, I heard, it was actually on my panel that I was moderating with yes, some IFS customers. Thank you was the, the power of the data you're capturing. And one of the, the panelists, uh, head of ops uh, for one of the big broker dealers, mentioned that you capture a lot of data and it allows for retroactive analysis. What's some of the analysis that your clients can do with the data you're capturing? All right, it's a great question. So it's kind of one of those um, uh, unknown or, or not thought about processes of once you know how many transactions each advisor is doing the types of transactions, uh, how long each one takes, how many are going straight through. You can really start looking at all of your processes and especially in the world of fraud and risk, understanding where you have uh, opportunities to either change processes or eliminate processes, adding kind of an artificial intelligence layer on top of that to say, let's look at this and be either predictive or respond differently when it happens. It's just a real treasure chest full of data in this world of, of big data and being able to do data analysis. You mentioned risk, and I know a lot of your, your clients use your workflow product and your new account opening product linking it into compliance. That's right. Because that's the key, you can't open an account without compliance approval. That's right. And it really is driving a lot of their risk management. Yes. How, how, do, you, how do they take advantage of the rules to, to build, to, to mitigate risk with their account, opening new accounts? Yeah, that's a great question. So as you, as you think about any supervision process or compliance process, it's really an interrogation of the data and the client. So things like suitability, the type of transaction they're doing, the amount of transaction, where the, tra where the money's moving to. A lot of that we build right into our business rules engine so it becomes much more of an exception process. So when you know that every transaction's being evaluated on all of your checklist of criteria before it gets to the compliance mm -hmm. queue, then you already know that most of that work's been done and you really can focus on the outliers and the things that fell outside of your parameters. Mm -hmm. So it really saves both a lot of time and it guarantees that every single transaction that goes through our system is validated the same way. Well, consistency is important for compliance. Absolutely, and auditability. Audit ability. <laughs> That's a tough word. That's a tough word. To I'm going to say it right because I heard you messed up. Auditability. 
Auditability is very important and it's built into every process within our system, a full audit trail of every keystroke and every approval process. So there were some really interesting stats I heard that when they reviewed their rules, they, they reduced them by 30% yeah. using your system? It's amazing, um, you know, this is not a sexy technology, but it's hugely valuable, both in terms of experience, as we've talked about, and risk mitigation. And so what we've seen is, uh, as our firms have adopted our technology, not only have their revenues continued to rise as they've attracted more advisors and uh, generated more revenue, but the cost associated with supporting that revenue declined significantly. And we've seen numbers 30, 40% decline in expenses and upwards of 98% straight through processing. So that's a huge benefit, both in reducing the friction and increasing the experience for both the advisor and the client. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk to you about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. Invest in Others is a nonprofit. You can find them at investinothers.org they look to raise money and give out donations, uh, to give out awards to charities that are sponsored by financial advisors. So it's financial advisors' uh, favorite charities, charities that they spend a lot of time supporting. So Invest in Others looks to get sponsorships from the industry and funnel that money to advisors' favorite charities. I really like this, this charity uh, and this nonprofit. I think you should take a look at it. Again, investinothers.org. They've got a couple other programs. One is a grants for good program. Uh, again, delivering money to different needy organizations and needy groups. They're also starting a corporate award program, which is gonna be a little bit different, but still within the industry. Uh, another way for financial services, uh, wealth management corporations to help uh, donate money to people in need. So I really like Invest in Others. I think you should take a look at it. Invest in Others, let me spell this for you. I-N-V-E-S-T-I-N-O-T-H-E-R-S dot O-R-G. It is amazing when I talk to broker-dealer clients how many are still relying on paper. Yeah, you know, a lot of our prospects are still using fax machines and paper-based processes. Hmm. We really are a data-driven uh, architecture and platform, and so although we still need to produce forms and documents when required, everything we do is based on the data we collect. Indeed, and one of the other sessions at the conference that I found really insightful was the onboarding trends. And you guys onboard, you guys help onboard more uh, accounts in the U.S. than probably any other vendor. Yeah, I think so I agree. So, what are some of the trends you're seeing? One of the one, one of the ones you mentioned was advisor-client interactions. How how is that improving? Yeah, I think what we're seeing now is with the advent of the robos, we had the advisor-less experience. And now we have a much better experience with both our uh, independent broker-dealers, self-clearing firms, where they want the advisor part of the process, but they also want the client part of the process. So let me walk through a typical scenario. There's an advisor that has a prospect within their CRM. They bring that prospect data into our application. They immediately um, send an email to the prospect inviting them to sign up for the portal and enter some additional information about who they are, some of their demographics, and maybe something like a risk profile questionnaire. We gather that information and the advisor can then take it forward to produce a proposal 
for which accounts need to be opened, send that back to the client, they can review that proposal, all paperless, all electronic, easily communicated between the advisor and client, really a hybrid solution, which is the best of both worlds, where the client can enter the data at any time, night or day, on their own system, on their own schedule, on their phone if they want to, and the advisor is in contact with them the whole way through the process. So that's really the, the ground that we're breaking is that collaborative hybrid experience between advisor and client. How about the, the amount of data that's being moved back and forth? There seems to be a lot of that. Yes. I think it would be reduced if they were using your product. Am I off base on that? No, that's absolutely right. Um, we try to eliminate any data redundancy. Uh, often, as we just took that last example, you don't have all the information you need to open an account with your prospects. But what we allow you to do is, as you fulfill that information to open the account, we feed that back to the CRM system. So once we've captured that data within your enterprise, it can be used anywhere. And I'm sure a lot of firms have found places to use that data. Absolutely, and it's dynamic as well. So uh, when we're going through a, an account opening event, uh, it very well could be getting additional information through their CRM, and so we have to keep a bi-directional way to keep those in sync. Uh, the other thing that we do is we treat every household uh, account opening as an event, uh, as a single event with multiple accounts, multiple products. A lot of account opening solutions out there only allow you to open an account for a product. We allow brokerage, advisory accounts, even held at TAMPS, direct business, uh, as many accounts as you have in the household to be opened all at one time with one document collection and one signing ceremony. It seems that people don't realize how many different types of accounts there are and different, uh, different locations for an account to be coming in from and you know, the advisor is out there selling and they're not thinking about how operations is going to deal with it and how they're going to be able to present that to their client if it's, if it's all at different locations and if you're giving them, you don't want to give the client so many different ways to open an account. You want it to all be consistent That's right. in the client experience. Yeah, we call our solution unified account opening or universal account opening. And it really is that where you can, as an advisor or a sales assistant, in one event, mm -hmm. open direct business accounts at mutual funds, annuity accounts, managed accounts, and standard brokerage accounts all in one process mm -hmm. with one set of documents so we don't double up on ADVs or terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. The client gets one consolidated electronic uh, set of documents that they can sign. And I believe that's unique in the industry. I think it is. I don't know of anybody else doing this. I haven't heard of anybody else. And the other trend I saw was the movement towards client self-service, which you would think would be natural and everyone would be a, would, would want it, but for some reason advisors were fighting that. Why, why, why do you think that they were doing that? Yeah, you know, I think um, as we continue to see the age of the population and the age of the advisor group uh, go up, um, there's a tendency to think that uh, they would not want to do online processing. They want to be involved with phone calls or even fax machines. Uh, I think the reality is that with uh, Amazon, Apple, and others, everyone is now used to doing their transactions directly, and clients don't want to call a call center or call their advisor to do things like request money out of their account. So everything that we do now has a component of exposing that through the client portals to the client directly to do that transaction whenever and wherever they want. Uh, I think that has now become kind of universally accepted that that is a good thing and that the clients 
uh, want their advisors to make that available, and the advisor value proposition is not about doing administration. Yeah, what advisor thought that their business model was helping clients with check requests? Yes. They couldn't live without that. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, those advisors that think that that's their value added are not going to be in the business much longer. I can't imagine they, they would be. The um, other interesting thing I, I heard at the conference was how uh, broker dealers are, uh, at least in terms of building out these, these tools using IFS, is that they're in, they're, they're the ability to bring the business rules into your rules engine rather than having them being spread out amongst all different systems. Like, well, this is in the client portal, and this is over here, and this is over there. And then when, when things break, you gotta go debug that, and, it's, and when, you're when you're maintaining it, you're maintaining business rules in multiple places. So talk about why, it's, why you have the ability to bring all those rules into IFS and your rules engine. Right, that's huge. Many of our clients are multiple channel distribution, so the client can interact via their APIs or whether through their website, through their call center directly with an advisor. And so when you're building those applications, you don't want to have to put all the business logic in each one of those places. And so what many of our clients have done is consolidated all their business logic within our application, mm -hmm. which allows that ability not to have to maintain it. And when you have changes or need to test it, it's all in one place. Um, the other thing that does is it provides the opportunity to make it look and feel as you need it to for your particular environment, but the guts of the system don't change. And that's really the hard part, uh, we feel. So we have a very solid product that then we can layer both look and feel and specific business logic on top of. Yeah, and it seems as though it's relatively simple to add new rules. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we we come up against quite frequently is the fact that um, there are options to build this yourself and to uh, buy kind of partial solutions. Mm -hmm. And what we found is in a number of cases we've come after that has been tried and going with IFS because it's uh, mostly pre-built and then it's very configurable. Uh, not only is it shorter for getting it implemented, but the cost is much lower. Would you say it's an out, it's an out of the box solution for some firms? Yes, our out of the box solution is fully functional as it is. Uh, we don't have many firms that don't change something. Mm -hmm. uh, just if it's just their forms and their workflow that they want to change, mm -hmm. uh, but it's fully functional as it is. Well, what's nice about your system, from what I understand, it's very different from other enterprise software. Like if, when you buy SAP, you change your business to work the way SAP works, not the other way around. But with your product, it seems like the clients can go in and change it to work anywhere they want. That's right. Yeah, we are very often, we very often find ourselves in a situation where there's a lot of things that have been determined before we get there, and we make the puzzle piece fit exactly what needs to fit. Mm -hmm. So we really think of ourselves as an orchestration engine with the person that sits between all of these different systems and processes and has to make it work. Really seamlessly and frictionlessly for the advisor. Yeah, I've always liked that term, the orchestration engine, or the orchestration layer. Right. And that you're moving things around, and you're saying, you guys go here, and you guys go there. That's right. And right. And before you came along, there was no one to do that, or each application would send the data where it thought it needed to go, but there was no central control point. That's right, yeah. We really uh, take all the data that you have in your enterprise that we can use, uh, whether it comes from your custodian or in-house systems, and we present that in such a way that we take 
the knowledge of where the account's being opened or what kind of transaction needs to be done out of the equation and make it simple and straightforward. Mm. Darn you, why are you making everything so easy? <laughs> uh, so another thing I heard during the panel that I thought was uh, something we can talk about was a digitally collaborative onboarding experience. Yes. So how does, how does IFS help a broker dealer build a digitally collaborative onboarding experience? Yeah, you know, Craig, I think there's a big difference between uh, what some people call an onboarding or workflow process and digital enablement. Mm -hmm. We're all about the data and collecting the data in such a way that we can seamlessly create documents if we need to, if we won't, if we don't have to. Uh, but then all the interfaces that need to be updated as part of that process, there's no rekeying anywhere in the process. And we only go to paper if it's absolutely a requirement. Mm -hmm. And so we have a number of clients now that are actually even doing their approvals for their documents electronically without actually creating the document. And so you can go from beginning to end, prospect to open account, without ever creating a piece of paper and out, never having to rekey any information. That seems revolutionary. It really is wonderful. I really want that. I mean, you can have it. <laughs> Why can I sign me up? <laughs> so it reminds me of the robo-advisor solution. So I, I, as a consultant, I wanted to test out all the robos. So I have, a, I have an account in all the robos with a little bit of money in each one. And then I opened a wealth of uh, then I opened a Vanguard account, and they made me fax them stuff. Right. And they print out the PDFs and fax it to them. And I was That's like, right. how are you guys so successful if we're still faxing paper to you? Yes. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, so the, we talked about configurability, we talked about the rules engine. Uh, so let's talk about some new things that are coming down the road, uh, the 2020 roadmap. Uh, you, you've, you've been in business for, for a while, so you've got a lot going, but you're still adding more. Yes. And you started out with self-clearing broker-dealers, moved to multi-custodial broker-dealers that see the value in your product. And now you're adding some support for additional custodians. Can yes. you talk about that? Yeah, I think it's really important both in the industry and for our product set to be able to uh, support where we're going with the RIA market and the smaller broker-dealers, where there is a great need for this type of automation and process consistency. Uh, but some of them use different uh, custodians and clearing firms than we're used to in the past. So we're adding uh, this year Schwab and TD Ameritrade, since they are predominant players in that um, market space. Uh, we already work with Beta and Pershing and Fidelity and FIS uh, and InvestNet, and so we just continue to add those connectors to make our product uh, available to more folks. That seems uh, like a worthy uh, goal. And so what's the maximum number of custodians a broker-dealer can have? Well, really, it's unlimited from our platform perspective. I think uh, in actuality, I think the most we've seen is three. Mm -hmm. It's hard to keep up after that. I'm sure it's hard for a broker-dealer to keep up, and they lose the benefits of scale if they, if they have too many broker-dealers. That's they right. Wanna, they want to have... Usually I've seen two. Two is great because you can uh, value price across both of them. Mm -hmm. And you could go either way. And that's, we've actually had some of our clients change back-end systems without ever changing our application. So mm -hmm. it doesn't affect the advisor if you wanted to change your clearing platform or your custodian. Right, and that's an interesting aspect that I think a lot of firms aren't realizing that when they bring your product and they become custodian agnostic. That's correct. They also become wealth platform agnostic. So, the, so if, if you're bringing in any of the top vendors, whether it's InvestNet, Investmark, Pfizer, any of the broker-dealers, Orion, any of the big broker-dealer systems, 
you're now dependent on them for your account opening. If you That's change, right. then your whole experience changes because you're you're linked, you're you're tied to that vendor. If they would implement this independent account opening solution, then you're you're agnostic and not only to custodians but to your platform. Technology. That's correct. Yeah, that's true for both the account opening process and the asset movement. Mm -hmm. So you can think about being able to transfer uh, accounts uh, or advisors from one platform to the other kind of seamlessly, no impact to their experience. And how does the uh, the advisor transition product work? Yeah, you know that's a great question. We we uh, recently introduced, because there is so much competition for highly qualified advisors in the marketplace, there's a lot of brokers moving from one firm to another. And that is a very painful process in a lot of cases. So we've taken what we've learned from our onboarding process and we've added to that the ability to take a book of business for an advisor moving from one firm to the next and upload that into the onboarding process. Again, with the same client uh, collaboration by providing them the ability to fill in any missing information. Uh, if it's a protocol firm and we have very limited information, then we make that available to the client to fill in that information that we need to open the account. And so really, same idea, we're trying to get away from the stacks of paper with sticky notes mm -hmm. that say sign here in FedEx boxes and moving to a fully digital rep transition process. And I'm just imagining all the time that Oh, time, cost, and experience for those clients moving. We want to make it as untraumatic as possible. And it would be a more scalable solution. Absolutely. For those firms that are growing, uh, not doing something like this in an automated fashion is hugely uh, expensive. And this is the first interaction and experience they have with that advisor. Mm -hmm. You really want it to be a good one. Yeah, and firms need to think more about their advisor experience. What's what's their onboarding? We all talk about the client onboarding, but what about the advisor onboarding? That's right. What's their experience? Because as, as we, we always say, it's the client's first experience with the broker and the advisor is, broker-dealer and the advisor is the onboarding process. That's right. Same goes for the advisor. Yeah, it's almost that uh, your advisor um, client from a BD perspective, uh, because they can move their clients with them, is almost more important than your client. Hmm. Almost, not quite. Not quite. Clients are still the number one most important part. And uh, that's all the questions I have at the moment, Ray. This is really enlightening. Thanks so well, much Craig, for Well, Craig, thanks for being here, and I uh, enjoyed our time together. I'm glad I can make it. I mean, you can't see uh, on the podcast here, but I'm looking out over the baseball field in these the most expensive seats. These are the box seats here. If only I could afford these uh, to when there's a game on. But it's certainly a nice view. So thanks a lot, Ray. Thank you, Craig. See you back here soon. Hey, everyone. It's Craig again. Just a few quick items before we go. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate it. And remember to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about on this episode. For more information on wealth management technology, you can read my Wealth Management Today blog at wmtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week.